0: Well, it's election week here at Truanon. Mm-hmm. That's right. I've got my little uh, newspaper hat on, and I am in prison for exposing myself.
1: <laughs> that's the
0: uh, the election week promise.
1: Oh, my God. I am so excited about this election. I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm going to be like watching this so close on Twitter, looking mm-hmm. at everyone's, like, you know, what everyone's saying, what is the news, what's the buzz. Mm-hmm. You know what's going on at the polls. Yeah, I can't wait.
0: What's the youth vote like? I'm always concerned what the youth vote is like. Yeah, are they voting or are they just smoking weed? <laughs> it's tough to tell. Um. Yeah. No. This is this is uh. You know they say that you can't vote fascism out of power. Mm. Um. But we're about to see that in action. Right. Um, oh
1: shit! We're not talking about America. <laughs>
0: No. Yeah, we we don't talk shit
1: about the American election. Who gives a
0: fuck? Yeah. Both those guys can suck my 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 penis, both Howie Hawkins and Joe Jorgensen. Can fuck off. (laughs) I don't I'm not familiar with the other
1: people running. Wait, which Um, one's Joe Jorgensen?
0: She is the libertarian candidate. Oh Uh, wow, it's a lady libertarian. yeah. Yeah, can you uh uh young Chomsky, can you play uh can you play the Libertarian song? Ah, there we go. Love that. I can't believe they made that their anthem in 2016. Oh I mean, my really God. just a bold
1: move. All right. No, we aren't talking about American elections, are we?
0: No, we are, we are going down to uh, Serenio, America. What? S- south. Does that mean South?
1: <laughs> no, I don't think oh, so.
0: Okay. Well, why are the... Well, I fucked up there. We're going down to South America. We're still going down
1: there. <laughs> Man, this isn't really a cold open. We usually do a joke or yeah. something. Prais, well, can you say a is, joke?
0: Um, hmm, the only jokes I can... Okay, yeah. Well, this one's kind of... Okay, yeah. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Oh, God. Uh, but it's... Uh, I'm going to do it... Can you just promise not to get mad at me? You have to promise me. You have to promise me. Look me in the eyes and promise me. Please.
1: Okay, I promise. Okay, thank
0: God. All right. So so St. Peter's hanging out at the pearly gates, Right. And he's like, you know, he's hanging out there. He's playing dice with the guys. He's fucking, he's in heaven. He's got his wings. He's flapping around. And all of a sudden, for the first true. time in human history, a couple of Polish people show up. Oh, my God. They're wearing the little cabbie hats. They've got the collars up. One <sighs> of them's wearing just a full-on tracksuit. He's from New York, doesn't speak a word of English, only racial slurs and, like, uh, gold chains and stuff what like the that. fuck, man? And St. Peter's like, what the fuck are you guys doing here? Like, are you guys good? And they're like, we got into heaven, and Saint Peter's like, what? He's like, yeah, we, they're like, we got into heaven, and, uh, and and Saint Peter's like, he looks down the list, he sees their names, he's like, Jesus Christ, so many Z's and V's, okay, and and he opens the gates and he goes back, he's like, I gotta check with the big man real quick, so he goes up, he goes back back to the manager's office, which is God, and he says, God, there's 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 some Polish people outside, and God's like, yeah, I know, I put them on the list. It's like, well, he's like, yeah, yeah, I, they've been pretty good. Let them in. And St. Peter's like, Jesus, are you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. Go, get, go let them in. So God's sitting there. He's like, God, this guy, what is he fucking, Jesus Christ, he might as well be German, he's such a prick to them, or, or a British uh, restaurant owner. And, uh, and all of a sudden, St. Peter comes running back, and he's like, God, God, they're gone. And, and God's like, what, what, the, the, where'd they go? He's like, no, 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 no. The pearly
1: gates brace guess what i had my fingers crossed so <laughs> boom mad at you <laughs> Well, like I said, it's election week, mm-hmm. and by that I mean single election episode about not the American election. <laughs> Which, by the way, we're following
0: up Dogfucker Week with Election Week, so we've got <laughs> we've got. I guess we're doing the week theme
1: now. They're really the same, if you think about it. Yeah, yeah, true. Uh, hey,
0: hey, check this out. In this case, everybody's screwing the pooch.
1: There you go. That was very Pretty cute. good, huh? Yeah, that was. Let's very introduce
0: cute. ourselves. Let's introduce the Junta. That's in yeah. charge of this podcast. All right. Well, hello. I'm Liz. My name is Commandante Field Marshal uh, uh, Hugo Bond. No, that's a real guy, Brace Belden, and uh, <laughs> we are joined by uh, by by my my lackey, who I get to head the secret police and do all of my biddings, conduct foreign assassinations and that stuff. We've got Young Chomsky, uh, and then of course we've also got my 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 paramilitary that is oh my God. Uh, helping me record.
1: Yeah. are okay. Well, Yeah, this is true anon. Hello. Um, so like we said at the beginning of the episode, which we don't usually do, but we messed it up. Uh, <laughs> we, huh? We? Yeah. Well, you know. Yes, we. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no, we're talking about the Bolivian election this week, um, which is happening, if you're listening to this episode the day it comes out, is happening right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's actually a really, really big deal, uh, for people who maybe aren't following South American politics. Brace, can you give a little rundown of what we're talking about?
0: Absolutely. So last October, there was an election. We'll go into this more in the episode, but just to sort of set the stage last October, there was an election in Bolivia. Evo Morales was running for his fourth term, which was judged legal by the Supreme Court there. Um, During that election, there was some very uh, loud sort of uh, claims of fraud by a group called the Organization of American States. This was followed by right-wing riots and and stuff on Election Day. Eva Morales ends up winning the vote outright at 10%, so there wouldn't be a runoff because they have a system where if you don't win, we'll go into that more anyways, he won. Um, That is followed by about uh, 20 days of heightened social unrest, particularly among the middle classes in the cities. Uh, there are riots. There are you know loud demonstrations, and there's condemnation from a lot of governments that already dislike Evo Morales and his sort of brand brand of Bolivian indigenous socialism. Uh, on November 10th, Morales says, "Okay, we'll hold new elections." Obviously, under a great amount of pressure from foreign governments and from 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 social pressure within his own country. Uh, and, uh, in that same day, the police and military essentially announced that he has to leave the country. We later found out they very much tell him he has to leave the country or they'll, uh, arrest him, probably shoot him. He splits to, I believe, Mexico. They ransack his house, kill his dog, uh, destroy all his things and charge him with terrorism. There is a word for that, uh, where, uh, where, where, where I come from. That is a coup. When the, when the yeah. military makes a leader, uh, a democratically elected leader, or even a non-democratically elected leader, which is not the case here, but it would still be the case when the military removes a president from power, that is, whether you like it or not, a coup.
1: Yeah, so I want to just, we don't, we the one thing we don't get into this episode, and I think is important for people to understand, is kind of like why this coup happened. Mm-hmm. And it's not just that like, uh I mean, you know, it's not just that like neoliberal capitalist Uh, powers like hate socialism in a broad sense like morales really achieved some pretty incredible uh like economic growth and prosperity Mm -hmm. over the past uh, what he's been he was in power 14 years i think yeah um and you know he took over in like 2005 to give you guys some perspective when he took over in 2005, the GDP of Bolivia was $9.5 billion, and in January of last year, it was $42 billion. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of growth that he's achieved in basically nationalizing all of Bolivia's natural resources, uh, achieving like rapid um, and aggressive industrialization, uh, you know, reducing, like massively reducing inequality and poverty. Um, yeah, extreme
0: poverty there was something like th- oh, the 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 mid to high 30%, and he cut it by like 15 20% uh, yeah. during his tenure.
1: Yeah. And so, like, the big things that he's nationalized, by the way, you know, is like water, gas, oil, you know, same thing. And, of course, uh, something that we try to talk about a lot on the show, but also, you know, uh, uh, the the lithium mines, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Many people may have seen a viral tweet from Elon Musk where he like half jokingly admitted to being part of a coup in order to uh, have access to uh, what are very plentiful um, rare mineral resources in Bolivia. Um, It was like, you know, pretty much like everything Elon Musk's Musk touches, like really fucking disgusting. Um, even if it was like a half joke or not real. I don't know. But basically in the past, you know, in the last, um, you know, in the months since Morales uh, has been in exile, uh, a woman, Janine Añez has been kind of the interim leader of Bolivia. Uh, She's a real girl boss, real hashtag girl Mm -hmm. boss out there. And just like, it's hard to, I mean, she's been moving quick because she knows that she doesn't have a lot of time to kind of uh, do what needs to be done in order to kind of destabilize uh, much of Bolivia's prosperity, and I think they, you know, frankly, I think they understand that the backlash to what to the coup that they achieved. Uh, you know, it might not secure them power come next election, which is one of the reasons why they kept delaying the elections and using COVID uh, as an excuse. But in the you know, in these like last months, what she's done is basically she's taken out multiple IMF loans, she has privatized almost everything that was um nationally owned, she like basically is reducing the Bolivian state to a regulatory apparatus rather than than what it was which was like a very um you know large state with robust investment in public industry and infrastructure which is what led to its rapid growth now that is opposed to the the you know overlords at the IMF and the global capitalist power that is not what they want right and they need access
0: how are we going to do the Davos reset if there's nothing to reset
1: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah we got to do an episode about that you know i think it's uh, you know you guys to, to understand like something that brought uh, morales to power was you know he was a trade unionist trade unionist and there were these really contentious fights in in bolivia over the privatization of oil and uh, and before that water that you know people really rallied uh, I mean, real popular revolts to, to the point they call them wars that lasted mm-hmm. years over the uh, nationalization of these public resources. And I, I think the the big thing that really um, that happened during what we call the oil wars, which is right before Morales came to power, is that like basically these companies were setting up uh, funnels into like into Chile of Bolivia's oil Uh, They were, like, sending it into Chile, like, Chilean territory. And then from there, they were sending it to California. So almost all of Bolivia's oil at the time was going to the United States, right? So I just kind of want to, like, set the stage here of, like, what, you know, why this is happening and, you know, like... It's a really, you know, it's these are serious guys, and this is a real big deal. And this is what they hate they hate prosperity for the poor, they hate workers in power, they hate anything that, uh, you know, basically says fuck you to the IMF and any kind of any of those global, you know, disgusting, yeah, (laughs) just uh, World Bank, IMF, Davos, you name them, all of them. uh, And, you know, to the fucking United States, giving a big fuck you to the United States. And we should say, too, I do want to say, sorry, I'm going long, but, uh, you know, I want to give a special shout out to Barack Hussein Obama, Obama. who, in his, you know, eight years in power, uh, did a lot to destabilize what were um, the kind of like South American alliances between different uh, South American nations, you know, Bolivia, Brazil, in particular, Um, To destabilize those really, you know, and and really fund right wing uh, paramilitaries and also right wing kind of capitalist groups um, in order to undermine those like development, um, like cooperation and development, like organizations that were that were thriving
0: yeah, I, I think that like there's also this impression that 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 like Trump maybe broke with the foreign policy consensus of the Obama years and stuff like that. In some ways, he has, but but there's also this 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 sort of. Uh, I guess thing that people mean themselves into believing where 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 the the the, the Trump government and the State Department does not engage in the same sort of like uh you know globalist sort of expansionist you know <laughs> interventions that that have marked American history but like what you're witnessing in Bolivia and what you witnessed last year in the elections in Bolivia is that same thing like this is warfare upon these countries you know yeah. i mean if, if with 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 allende you know they didn't have to land troops to take them out you know they famously talked about making the economy scream destabilizing the political system and that's just what 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 pompeo and and his fucking uh his his cadre of freaks and lunatics uh, were up to with this
1: yeah absolutely so without, you know, we're, we're, we've gone long. As someone on Twitter said, "You always go long," <laughs> which <True. whoops. laughs> mm-hmm. um So let's let's uh, let's just get into it, right? Yeah, let's start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Wait, brace! I think we should start. No, I hit it. We already did that bit. It was a yeah, very yeah, cute true. bit. It was a very cute bit. Let's get to the interview. Let's go.
0: Let's start the show. Well, good afternoon, folks. We have a very special guest for you today. We have Jack Reacher of the Central Intelligence Agency, an experienced South American hand, uh, really had a lot of time in Caracas. And he's coming back to tell us his experiences there. I'm just kidding. Now we have Jack Williams, the, uh, the the better Jack, a researcher at MIT Elections Data and Science Lab. You might know him because every Bolivian bot on the internet uh, wants his head on a pike. Uh, but we are talking about uh, both the elections... Uh, That happened last year in Bolivia where uh, that resulted in a coup against Eva Morales and Sunday's upcoming or I mean by the time this is out probably today's elections happening in Bolivia where uh, there is a quite a lot at stake and uh, and yeah welcome Jack how you doing.
2: Doing doing good actually. Funnily enough, full name uh, Jack Ryan Williams, named after. No way, the, the Jack, Ryan? Jack Ryan. <laughs> uh, <all> right. <laughs> I, I fucked
0: it up in the first place. Cause it's Jack Ryan, not Jack Reacher. God
2: damn
1: it. No yeah, yeah. Reacher. Oh, it's it's thing. worse.
2: It's worse. Yeah. No, I think they're yeah. both CIA ops or whatever. But uh, yeah. No. Um, but yeah. N- nice to see y'all. Like uh, excited to talk about this. It's really surprised that y'all can get this turned around so quickly. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, well, we employ, like, a team of animators in South Korea to do it for, like, a yeah. cheaper price. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's no problem for us. So, let's talk about Bolivia. Um, uh, I'm sure that many of the people listening to the show will remember a somewhat contentious and confusing election that happened last October that resulted in, uh, in November, I believe November 10th, the military... Uh, Let's say politely asking Eva Morales to leave Bolivia, the Bolivia and then killing his dog and ransacking his house. Uh, Eva Morales has since been in exile. And uh, yeah, it has been it has been quite quite a year since then.
2: Yeah, no, um, it's been a pretty crazy time. And if you're if you're listening to what all the experts have to say, you know, this was uh, there was just fraud and it was easy. Evo shouldn't have like, you know, shouldn't have held that referendum and then uh, actually ran in the election and then, you know, win the election. Uh, Yeah, it's been an insane year. Like the the like, the, I, I feel like it's it's been harder and harder to believe, like, kind of the progression of events, like, even though this seems like incredibly, like, falls within uh, what we know about coups, we know about coups in Latin America and the way that they operate, but it's also happening within, you know, COVID-19. So there's been quite a few things that have occurred that have, like, that I think people have thought, you know, this is... Uh, you know, this is, oh, they're going to hold the election or they're just going to postpone it indefinitely. But now we've reached a point where an election is actually going to happen. But a lot of other things have had kind of time to unfold and whether, um, you know, there's going to be any transparency, the amount of control that they were able to get over the electoral processes in Bolivia and, and you know, already having issues with the, the contractors and changing over the unofficial reporting system. It's who knows what's going to happen. Like it, it's, well, you could kind of predict it, you kind of not predict, but there's a lot yeah. of unknown things right now.
1: Yeah. So maybe just to start, we should go over just some of the details about the election in last October, just for people that maybe weren't paying attention. We should say that um, Morales was seeking his, I think it's his fourth, it was his fourth term, correct? Mm-hmm. FDR style, baby. Yeah, and he was also looking... I mean, what what a lot of Western politicians uh, latched onto because it was sort of an easy excuse for them was that he was also seeking to um, abolish the term limits that were in the, I think, 2009 constitution. Um, And that is what... uh, Yeah, like, you know, a lot of Western, you know, specifically American (laughs) politicians uh, used as an excuse to say that... um, that the kind of right-wing forces, uh, you know, ousting him were correct because he was, you know, that he was leading a kind of anti-democratic movement. But that's not at all the case, right?
2: Yeah, so... I guess, yeah, there's multiple things here. So leading up to the election, it was essentially, you know, it was obvious that it was going to be a two-person race. It was going to be uh, Carlos Meza from Civic Community, who was previously president from, I believe, like 2002. I think he was president until 2005 when uh, Morales took over. But he yeah. was yeah, the president yeah. that oversaw the uh, mining protests and, and the, the protests over specifically uh, the the sale of uh, the national uh, oil company.
1: Yeah, I mean, what we call or, yeah. the gas
2: wars. Yeah, um, and then and then you had uh, the movement for socialisms, Evo Morales, who people have probably heard of now. Um, and in in this upcoming to the election, it was pretty clear that Morales was going to win, but it was probably not going to be at the same margin that he won in the previous election, especially since uh, previously he actually failed uh, in the referendum to extend his term limit, um, which he was only able to run because uh, the Supreme Court of Bolivia basically ruled that he was allowed to run. This is something to say that, like, you know, he clearly had enough support. I guess, you know, there was some political motivation on whether they thought another candidate could win or, you know, whether, you know, a lot of people were uniting around Evo specifically because he did a good job of uniting both the indigenous community of uh, Bolivia with the workers community to make sure that, you know, they kind of vote in that singular block. Um, and so the election was coming up. It was looking like Morales was going to win, but it also looked like it wasn't going to be as large of a margin that he had won in previous years.
0: Yeah, I think he'd won at 62% in uh, 2009,
2: which is pretty fucking high. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a complete blowout. It, even his first election was a blowout as well. But the the referendum, we also have to remember that in Bolivian politics, it's not just like plurality wins or even um, uh, necessarily like majority wins in a lot of cases. So there needs to be a 10 point margin in presidential elections. So the person who wins either needs a majority of votes or a ten percent margin higher than the next uh Mm. the next candidate, which which makes sense in a multi party system where you might have, you know, some random fascist dude getting like five percent of the vote. Right. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, And if you don't
1: meet that, then it goes to a runoff between the top two candidates, correct?
2: Exactly. And then in that case, the the majority candidate would win because it would just be a two-person race. Um, Additionally, it's worth mentioning that in the referendum that a lot of people cite Morales as losing, he won like 48% of the vote, which... Is higher than what he got in this in uh, in in this election, where he got around like forty seven percent of the vote because Mm. he still had a ten point margin, but hit forty seven percent of the vote. But he lost the referendum because there's only two choices on the referendum. So like a a lot of that kind of came back when people were trying to make the case that you know he was waning in popularity and that's why he lost, rather than the fact that you know it it is a little understandable given that you know he didn't maybe mobilize his base in that election. And then also there's actually just similar like kind of turnout statistics between the 2016 election and the 2019 election with the 2016 referendum. So
0: just real quick, I think we should sort of give a rundown maybe of like the social forces at play in Bolivia, because they're sort of different they're certainly different than the ones in America. Um, But from what I understand, there is a huge sort of indigenous rural population that is the base of the movement for socialism. Um and then uh, many of the cities like in La Paz and Santa Cruz, there's a a sort of liberal middle class and also like a very far right wing middle and upper class, um, which which are represented in the in the two other candidates besides the mouse candidate in, in the upcoming election. Um but but from what I understand, like that is generally like the layout of it. Like Maas has like huge trade union and indigenous support, and then the sort of, like, neoliberal and then the far-right parties have mostly, like, uh, less less indigenous and more, like, middle-class sort of, like, Spaniard-type support.
2: Yeah, um... Yeah, so there's, I guess there's kind of two things here. So, uh, like, according to, like, demographic data, like, Bolivia is, like, around, like, half or over half, like, indigenous. So yeah. it's kind mm-hmm. of a, a weird comparison even compared to a lot of these other countries. But like other countries, there was, like, European migration both yes. in, you know, the the original migration and colonization. <laughs> I guess, yeah, migration is a little weird way of phrasing it. But there was definitely migration also within the 20th century of, uh, of Europeans. You even have the cases of like we talk about like in Brazil where there was like, you know, like Nazis going to Brazil or whatever. Mm. There was also Nazis going to, uh, to Bolivia and a lot of these oh, other yeah. places. So uh, I think uh, well, I forget the name of the guy, but there was a, a very Klaus specific Barbie. Frenchman. Yeah, Klaus Barbie specifically. He basically married.
0: ran Bolivia at one point. He was—I mean—he was the butcher of Lyon, and he—he uh, yes. he was part of a group called, I believe, the uh, the Fiancés of Death in Bolivia <laughs> that ran cocaine, Zeigheild, uh, and uh, and death squads against left wingers, supported directly by the CIA.
2: I had a really interesting thing about him where like essentially like if if someone like were to insult like Hitler in his presence he would like absolutely freak out like like mm-hmm. not a hidden thing also was like uh, I'm pretty sure hired by German intelligence which was like basically funneling like US intelligence at that point yeah. so um yeah very interesting time but I guess getting back to uh to social movements in Bolivia there's so there's actually um Something really significant is there's a thing called, like, the COB, which is, like, essentially the the workers union in, in Bolivia, a very large, like, uh, group of trade unionists who have really organized around, like, previous elections and have historically in Bolivia played a really large portion of their politics, like... Um, throughout like history you can kind of look at like some of the tactics that they took on like blocking roads that we're also seeing during the coronavirus and around the suspension Mm. of elections we saw a lot of these things you know in the past and then it is also what brought Evo Morales into power initially is that these really discontented trade unionists who had you know Seen worsening conditions because of the like export of like resources to other con- like essentially just selling off resources from the country and and you know taking on huge loans from you know these international groups like that they had kind of gotten the short deal throughout Bolivia's history and that mm. Evo Morales presented an opportunity for the first time for them to take a good amount of power alongside you know there's a large amount of indigenous peoples in these uni- in in these unions and even though um, Evo Morales is kind of like a mixture of both groups that have a lot of overlap, but also there is kind of the issue of like, Evo Morales did have, you know, like um, indigenous people like oppose him at some points. Like there was, yeah. there was issues with like the extraction stuff that was occurring and, and the building of roads for like the extraction of materials when, you know, he was trying to keep the economy of like, I, I can't say too much about what his motivation was, but rather like, you know, he reduced poverty in half while he was in power, like, pretty well Mm -hmm. and increased the economy pretty largely and paid off debts which is kind of normally something that you just can't do and also like um do a lot of these things that i think people would want to see from a like left-wing leader um but in addition like he did have his like opposition from indigenous people and from kind of not doing exactly what he was supposed to be doing and also kind of going back on some promises but overall like um I I doubt that they would prefer Anya's. And I think that the interesting thing now with this upcoming election is that we're actually seeing more unity around indigenous groups that have like leaders who have previously like been very critical of Moss um, now, you know, supporting Moss and uh, coming out in support of him.
1: We should talk about exactly what happened when we say that a coup happened in 2019. Can you give us a play by play of what actually occurred
2: yeah, uh, a little bit of a dirty word, coup there, uh, mm-hmm. because people the really word. freaked out about saying saying the word coup around this.
1: Except for Elon Musk, a little like couple months later, he was fine with saying it. Just a couple months later.
2: Yeah, we could we could say extrajudicial removal from power. Yes. Um, extrajudicial request to leave from power from the military um but yeah no there was uh, so essentially leading up to the election you know Evo Morales was seeing not as high of support but still like you know high support and was clearly yeah. beating out uh Carlos Mesa. and when the results were coming in there was uh you know um initially actually Carlos Mesa had like the lead very early on in the reporting system. But we also have to remember that reporting is not like uniform. It's not all in at once, fully representative sample of what the entire country looks like, right? Like this is going to come from disparate parts and different places are going to have different reporting methods, different levels of like education of poll workers. We see this in the United States where, well, we have multiple time zones, but we also have places that, you know, close close polls later. We have reasons that, you know, certain places take much longer to process polls than other. Like if you you know, look at Florida, like uh, or look at many of these other places that have, you know, serious, uh, I guess, problems with like the chains of custody and issues with counting ballots and under like being under resourced in general. Um, but in the case of Bolivia, there was actually a stoppage not necessarily even related to that um, around 84 percent, 83.5 percent of the vote count where Morales had around a seven point lead uh which would have put him at a runoff because he requires 10%, uh, a a 10 point lead to be able to avoid runoff. But he had a seven point lead. And then there was a stoppage in the unofficial vote count, which is distinct because there are two vote counts. There's one official and one unofficial. And I can kind of get to that later. But um, the unofficial vote count is kind of like what AP does or like what the New York Times or like all these other Groups kind of do, and it's it's like basically the only thing that people see when they when they look at election results is. So it's not
0: it's not like the official election statistics. It's like it's like well, it's the unofficial ones essentially.
2: Yeah. So these things called actas, which are um, essentially the poll workers all sign off on results, and then they take a picture of it, and that picture is what. Uh, Is entered into the unofficial vote count, but it has to be physically delivered and then reviewed like to make sure that like, you know, the addition was correct and that there weren't any mistakes which mistakes happen on these like always like in in every country you'll see mistakes with like how poll workers calculate things if they do, especially if they're doing calculations by hand. Um, but they have to be physically delivered to the um, to to the uh, electoral authority prior to actually being put into the official count. So in the United States, we'll even see discrepancies between you know the final results on election night. They even had the thing called blue shift, which which liberals are all talking about right now, which I can kind of talk about later. But so in this case, there was a, there was a cutoff in the unofficial vote count. The unofficial vote count uh, kind of ran. Um, At 84%, and there was a stoppage, and then that went into multiple days later, where uh, by the time the count resumed, which was at around 90-something percent, or maybe in the high 80s, I don't remember where it resumed, I remember where it stopped, but when it resumed, Morales had gotten the ten-point margin that he needed to win. So basically, the the narrative formed out of that was like, "Oh, wow, seven-point lead. You know, it's impossible that that would jump to ten percent or to a ten-point margin at, at you know the end of counting." Um, and so immediately, the organization of American States, which we could also talk about later. Um, made it said that they were concerned about the results and concerned about a a trend that was not explainable based on the previous information. And then they said this really early on. They said this, I think on, um, what would it have been like October 21st or whatever. So very early on into the counting, um, that there was a disturbing trend and like the change of the vote share between four, four Morales. Um, and that kind of, you know, pushed forward this narrative that he was illegitimate and there was, of course, the protests that followed, with uh, the the burning of ballots at uh, I think specifically in Santa Cruz, they burned a good amount yeah. of ballots. But in, yeah, in some I, other- I saw
0: that. Like it, it sort of reminded me of the the Venezuela protests, where like the opposition actually like tends to tends to do these things to just discredit the election in itself, which we also you know can see sometimes in America as well.
2: Well, yeah, because like, who does ulti- like ultimately? Who does authority fall back on when there is, you know, discontent and and like, you know, not a clear election? Like, it's going to be to like the military in that case, which probably the opposition would prefer rather than you know um, any other forces within the country.
1: So basically, uh, just to kind of like like sum up what you just said. So basically, there was. So you keep saying they stopped the unofficial count. Can you explain who they is in that sentence really quick? Like who decided to stop it?
2: So there's an electoral authority in Bolivia who manages the elections and the reporting of results. Um, And so the committee is actually appointed by the people who had it appointed by the Bolivian Congress and then Mm. also the president. Uh, gets a single appointment, and that appointment becomes like president of like the TSE or whatever, and they oversee like the management of elections. In this case, they also contract out a good amount of like the processes to be able to do like the unofficial vote counts. So they don't know specifically how to ha- manage servers, so they need you know a contractor to be able to do this. So in this case, they had uh, two contractors. They had NeoTech, which is a firm that handles the reporting of Neotech. results and has done that for yeah, yeah. I think they're <laughs> they might be Panamanian or the security one is Panamanian. Mm. i don't remember but uh, mm. I'll the, uh yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm.
2: but the uh <laughs> so essentially yeah there's a cybersecurity firm that was called um i don't remember the it's ethical Shout hacking out. was the name of it
0: <laughs> it's, it's yeah yeah yeah
2: uh ethical hacking which just sounds like uh something from wait Los it's Los really Valley. called
0: ethical hacking
2: yeah, yeah. But they're oh they're protecting God. you from the hackers. They know how to oh, hack. Of course. Um yeah. and, and they're and they were also, I guess, gauging the system. They did like cybersecurity prior to the election. This neotech firm that was handling it, um, was essentially this guy who had done reporting for years for uh for the the Bolivian like election. So like this was something that he was used to. The one issue is that this was probably the first time he was being like really monitored, like super closely while doing yeah. this. So um, it turns out that what happened was a test server ended up being run as a production server, and I guess a production server didn't get end up getting run. So that they said that there was an external server accessing data, um, and because of a large amount of requests, the firm that was uh, ethical hacking. Notified Neotech of like basically like high alert, you're getting a, DO, a DDOS attack because mm. there was a certain amount of requests, and because of this amount of requests, they were like essentially we have to shut down like these yeah. results because we're getting too many requests at this like short period of time. Um, which ended up you know kind of being really bad in the long term, uh, I guess that they stopped the results. Uh, yeah, so basically,
1: it, a DDOS attack which uh, I think everyone kind of knows what that is. That's like a, you know, that's like classic hacker move. Uh, like Distributed ended-
2: denial of service. Yeah. Yes. So a
1: DDoS attack is what stopped the unofficial vote count from happening. Right? Basically.
2: Whether it happened is kind of like also like unknown. So the... That- there's there's kind of a dispute between people who say that there was a DDoS attack, which triggered you know uh, them getting a red mm. alert and being told to essentially shut it down. There's also the claim that they did it for no reason, and then there's also the claim that essentially says that the cybersecurity firm notified the DDoS attack on what was like considered to them like normal behavior of around I think like thirty thousand requests mm. in three seconds is like the figure that they gave or something like that, um, which is you know all these uh, small precincts and like uh, and, and places where people are voting like these polling locations like sending results separately in like multiple iterations to a singular like app application or to an application which like transfers it over to the unofficial right, right, right. Um And then to fix it, he actually like, did an SQL command immediately in it, but he says that it was logged in the Linux code and then also in the SQL <laughs> code. So to say that it actually like, he didn't make a mistake, you could observe this. And even in ethical Hacking's report, they like reviewed like what was on like the second server. And I guess like they should know like what commands he specifically did, but they say that there's a realm of uncertainty, which means that it could potentially have been, you know, there could have been foul play. It it, it also doesn't make sense And like we could talk about the overall narrative of fraud. Like where was fraud occurring? Were they stuffing ballots? Were they were they hacking the system? Where like where where was the fraud occurring? But yeah,
0: that's kind of what I want to get into too. So like I think the popular narrative around the elections in Bolivia because there was all these protests uh, from from sort of these middle class groups in the cities leading up to the election, and then when the election itself happened. There was this thing that tends to occur when elections happen in let's say uh, countries that are less than uh, close to the United States, where there becomes this sort of media narrative and this narrative on Twitter and this sort of narrative among certain journalists in their social media presence of like a popular uprising against uh, you know what, what, whatever leader sort of is in, is in the crosshairs and and that that seemed to be the case with, uh, with this as well. and there's all these sort of unsourced and unverified photos of, uh, sort of' like I guess we can call them voting atrocity photos, like somebody burning ballots, somebody' standing in front of a box of filled out ballots, you know a, you know whatever, sort of sort of photograph ballot tampering that we don't actually know usually who's in the picture or what they're doing in the picture, or where the picture's even from most of the time. Uh, But 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 it all serves to build this narrative. And in this case, that Moss is engaging in not only uh, election tampering, but like heavy handed, you know, not just electronic tampering, but actually like physical tampering with the actual ballots themselves
2: yeah um if you want to see any of these videos just go onto twitter and say there was no fraud in the bolivian election and then you should get like 10 videos under in your comments like showing you uh these videos that these people are putting (laughs) forward um but these uh yeah like like to at at least the researchers the big concern is like fraud like happens in elections and there's like dumb fraud and then there's kind of like you know an actual i guess conspiracy to commit fraud among a political party and institutions that are able to actually like implement that type of fraud that's mentioned and in the oas report and then also in like you know subsequent reports and subsequent explanations of how fraud is occurring there's been very little to actually go through and say like where uh this fraud was occurring and how it was occurring instead they kind of scattershot and said like every little small like either like poor practice that was implemented in, in the election or like thing that just you know went wrong or wasn't done quite right was somehow evidence of like mass fraud that was able to be able like that was able to see that I guess at one point that they were winning the election and then say oh we have to fix this stopped it and then somehow you know manufactured ballots and like was prepared to like I guess like boost results by 3% of the, uh, a 3 point margin
0: Uh, like the I, I will say this narrative itself, too, was set essentially by the Organization of American States, and listeners might not be super familiar with them. They, I think that really the most they've been in the news lately is, is from the Bolivian elections, but they certainly had, uh, they, they're, they're, t- just to back up a little bit, they are a, like a continental organization that's essentially like, I believe, just like all, both North and South America, um, that is run by the USA. And funded, as far as I understand, mostly by the United States, <laughs> and certainly their actions in the past. I'm thinking especially of Haiti, and their just like incredible tampering mm. in a in a in a, in a in the Haitian election um, serves the goals of the people who pay the bills. Um, and they are run by I can't remember the guy's name, but but a, a, a sort of right wing guy or a guy who's even drifted more 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 right wing as How time macru- has gone on. El Magro, yes, uh, and have essentially like positioned themselves against the Pink Tide governments, um, and and really against left wing, uh, any sort of left wing government in, in 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 the Americas. Um, and so the OAS really like sprung into action in the twenty nineteen elections, and like put out these press releases and put out all this stuff that that essentially was accusing the Morales government of mass fraud. And and that culminated in eventually a report. But like, I, I think it was just it was sort of a step because the OAS often focuses on election monitoring. Personally, if it was me, probably wouldn't let them in the country. But uh, but but and they were able to from that, like really set this um, this narrative of fraud and tampering and that Morales' government was totally illegitimate.
2: Yeah, okay, so so first, I think it's really important to mention in terms of, like, proving fraud, that even if fraud occurs, like, you have to prove that fraud actually changes the outcome of an election. And what the OAS did that was kind of novel here was that they, you know, well, there, there was a few things that were a little strange. Like, the OAS was originally founded to oppose communism. <laughs> like, it, it was fully an anti-communist organization that switched over to observing democratic elections in, like, I believe, like, like, probably, like, around the 70s and 80s and 90s. Like, uh, I think it was the 80s. But um, the the democratic nature of the OAS has pretty much been normally, like, you know, kind of a a checkpoint on it. Like, famously, I think at the... Um, the, or the Venezuelan election that was in the early two thousands, they observed and didn't actually say anything, even though they kind of were like tacitly opposed, uh, to, uh, Chavez's reelection. Like they didn't really say anything cause they didn't have evidence or really enough to like make a case for like fraud. It wasn't until the uh, 2017 Honduras election that they really actually like, you know, presented a case where fraud was occurring, and it's like pretty much that's normally the case study that people use for like fraud in an election. Um, but in 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 this election, the OAS, you know really quickly said that they were concerned about the change in the trend in in the trap. I don't think that they did any statistical analysis at that point. I think that they knew that there was a stoppage in the trap and no matter how it was going to come out, if it was coming out more in favor of Moss, they were probably going to say that fraud occurred. Mm. Um, and then later on, they went through kind of the steps to attempt to justify it. If you look at the original report, they have these discontinuity graphs, which are almost comical, and uh, how badly they're formed and how badly the like argument really is. And in okay, later Jack, revisions Jack, of the...
0: What's a discontinuity graph?
2: So, uh, okay, so a discontinuity plot is what, what, what you're doing is you're trying to show that a discrepancy happened at a certain point. So you're trying to find if there are breaks in this plot to show that, you know, a trend is going in a specific way, and then something happens and shows that something else has ha- that that something else changed, and you try to control these to essentially say. Was there other forces at play, or was something else happening? But if, if there are two differences between the two sides of these plots, and I can show a I can show an actual picture of it, but that probably doesn't help a podcast. Um, but essentially, if there is a if there is a if there's a noticeable differences between the uh, the the uh, trend before and the trend after, you'll see a break, and it, it essentially is like shown as a, and if you look at either of the, all the OAS's reports, the, their entire argument is built around these breaks, is, is built around the idea that there is cutoff points, uh, whether they actually occurred where the cutoff actually occurred, or whether they occurred at the 95% point, or now, literally recently today, the author of the OAS report is trying to say that there was a discontinuity at the 91% point now, literally just scattershotting that there is some inexplainable break in, in a trend. Uh, of reporting election results, um, mm-hmm. that he hasn't really considered that any other factors in that, which is like, what about geography? Like, what about any other explanation of why people would vote later than others? Do, are people do people with econo- different economic backgrounds vote at different times of the day? There's a lot of things that people ask. Um, when studying like American elections and and the changes that occur in absentee and provisional voting, so provisional voting that happens you know on election day with a person mm-hmm. who doesn't have a registration record, you know gets counted afterwards. But we you know they tend to find that those go you know much more in favor of like Democratic well, candidates.
0: exactly. Like in in San Francisco, uh, you know there's uh, a lot of people, not a lot of people, but a good amount of people vote by mail or vote and like turn in their ballots early. And overwhelmingly, that population that does that votes for the more moderate or conservative candidates. And so at the beginning of elections, there's always this big dump of ballots and uh, all the conservative and moderate candidates usually get a big boost. And, and in fact, you can kind of guess that if like a more left wing candidate gets a lot of votes during that period, that they're probably going to win because the the actual poll voters generally favor them a lot. Um, And so I imagine that same thing plays out, except in Bolivia, you have like mountainous and and jungle zones and stuff like that. And so it's like, it's even more like, obviously, there would be it's not it's not as like cut and dry as as organizing an election in like an urban neighborhood or something.
2: Yeah, well, there, there's 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 a lot of things that play there. Like there's there's the level of education of poll workers. So poll workers are chosen randomly in Bolivia. So like people who are selected to be like poll workers are essentially sampled from the population and then chosen to huh. be poll workers. So they could literally just be like you know any person who has you know maybe like a first grade education. Some, some of these people might not even be literate. There's an there's a issue that they pointed out with signatures and kind of these inconsistencies of signatures and moss supporting regions. And one of the kind of things that they cite is the fact that like, there's kind of these irregular, like not real signatures, as they kind of put it. And they're just like lines or whatever. But this is kind of a known thing for people who are illiterate. They don't have like kind of a standardized signature that they can use. The classic X. Yeah. The classic X. Yeah. The, and and that's what they cited as a reason is that poll workers were using X's instead of uh, an actual like signature, I guess, as they would put it. Uh, and, and and the issue with this is that, you know, this is it's clearly just a scattershot. Like, I don't think they thought that like that would be the largest reason, but they just had to give enough reasons. And then also like to just legitimize the way that things were going to go. It wasn't that it was like they didn't have to convince like a majority of people at any point. They just had to convince like, I guess, to put it like they just say fraud happens, how many people are actually going to look into it? What reason do they need to justify it? I think was kind of their way of looking at it because when you actually looked at le- the data that they provided, you could predict the results, and then multiple people have said that since, which is yeah. uh, incredibly wild.
1: Yeah, I think that that's like a key point because I want to say, like, you know, to our listeners, like, if you didn't catch all the intricacies that Jack just laid out, like don't worry, because also our politicians didn't even actually look into any of this shit. Like, that's the whole thing that is so wild, is that the OAS literally just came out and said all this stuff, and everyone was like, oh, well, if the OAS said it, and we don't really know who they are, but sounds official sounding, so let's let's go with them. Uh, a narrative starts swelling, like you mentioned, on Twitter, which, uh, you know... <laughs> I won't get into that, Uh, (laughs) you know, starts swelling on Twitter, politicians pick it up, mainstream media picks it up, this is how news cycles work, and bam, you've got Western politicians saying, oh, this is a completely fraudulent election, Uh, you know, Morales, like, didn't win, this is insane, what's going on, you know, we need to make sure that, I mean, even, you know, left-leaning liberal politicians saying, like, we need to make sure that Bolivia holds, like, free, fair, democratic elections. All based off of this, like, this one body making these kind of, like you say, scattershot assertions that no one's really bothering to look into because it's kind of boring and messy. But I think what's key here is that, you know, at this point, well, not at this point, but soon after, like you actually, you yourself enter this story. <laughs> like uh, Jack is actually part of the this this kind of long story that we're trying to lay out, and I think that that's what's so fascinating because you actually did look into all this data and you reported on it, and it upset a lot of people. What you, what you kind of found out and laid out?
2: Yeah, I, I think I could I can generally express that initially, as results were coming in, like being kind of uh, Well, like initially when I saw the election, I thought like things were already kind of insane. And I think I was following it as much as other people were really following it and seeing like, oh, wow, you know, they're they're trying to make a case that, you know, there's fraud and they're just saying fraud, fraud, fraud. And then you have what happened on like November 10th. And then I was completely dumbfounded that, you know, what had been made the case to that point was what they were trying to say. And so like previously like i primarily focus on american elections but there's a trend within american elections post 2016 um, really, to look into kind of the security of American elections, but it's kind of with a different flavor than it's done with these international observers. So, mm. in the United States, a lot of election like observation and research is built around and the funding is definitely built around building trust in American elections. they are mm-hmm. they are looking in and doing like smelt uh, tests of particular tactics and ways of measuring things that are either bad, like we don't we don't do in the United States, look at, you know, uh, exit polls and compare those to official results right like that that is something that uh, I think people were trying to do in the uh, the primary with like kind of the irregularities around Iowa reporting uh, right in, right right caucus, yeah. I guess um, but it's just something that like kind of we as like ac- like ex- academics have said like oh wow you know there, there are serious issues with the way that exit polls are conducted and that there are biases that are kind of known that make you know predicting things incredibly difficult. Like you can you can do these things, and there's a level of accuracy in predicting like the outcome. But a, that's an A or B outcome. In this case, you're trying yeah. to predict a percentage, whether like that threshold was met or whether that threshold wasn't. Not kind of um, the the two the two uh, different uh, choices there. So I, gu- I guess what's what's really interesting is that like. What people have been doing in the United States is basically how you can say an election is fraudulent or not, especially because so post 2016, everyone's saying that there was fraud. Trump only won because of fraud. All these like, you know, random people who were just like, you know, the only way that a racist man can win in the United States is clearly because a Russian bot said vote for Trump. Um, um, (laughs) Because the memes with Bernie Sanders
0: without his shirt on, which uh, made me vote for Donald Trump because I figure he's also just a guy who could take his shirt off.
2: Yeah, it's the reason my polling place shut down was because of that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so a lot of uh, a lot of organizations became very concerned with the trust in American elections and came up with kind of ways of doing. There's a thing called risk-limiting audits. So auditing an election, looking at ballots, the chain of custody to see how those, if we like sample those results, how do they compare to the overall results? That doesn't exist in a lot of places, even in American elections. And we've kind of come to the conclusion to say, like, oh, well, just because you can't predict the outcome in a lot of these different places doesn't mean that there's, like, automatically fraud occurring, right? Like, just because, like, I think, like, Broward County, Florida would have, like, you know, a bunch of ballots found in someone's car or something like that. that Famously
1: great county for counting elections, Broward. It turns out (laughs) out that people actually were just giving
2: Oxycontin at the polls instead of the... (laughs) And so, essentially, like I was like, "Oh, wow, damn!" Was, like, imagine if someone did this for our elections. Like, they would be able to come up with all sorts of issues, especially because nearly every single oh like, my state, and in some cases, counties have their own ways of implementing elections and ways of counting. I mean, and remember, reporting.
0: remember in the twenty sixteen uh, primary that, that shit that happened in uh, in Las Vegas, where they just declared for uh, for Hillary Clinton instead of Bernie Sanders, and it was like this insane outrage, but like. You know, if that had happened anywhere else, if there was like someone in front of a room full of people voting the opposite way that declared, you know, the 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 incorrect winner, I mean, it would be there would be, you know, tons of outrage and, you know, op-eds in in, you know, this or that newspaper, but it's just it's it's definitely yeah, not the case.
1: Not even that though. It's like imagine if literally any, uh, you know, um, like election watch body looked at just The like the amount of security flaws in any given like these state contracted digital voting booths or whatever are uh, insane. I want to specifically shout out the one in Los Angeles County. It's called like Vera. I can't remember what it's called. Vera vote or something. It is a really, really insane system. And if I I mean, I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure doesn't Bolivia use hand counted paper ballots?
2: Yeah, which is funny because that's what everyone in the America in the United States wants. Like, now we kind of have gotten to a point where, like, a lot of those machines are getting phased out because post-2000, because of the butterfly ballot, and yes. people were like, well, we got to get rid of these, like, archaic ways. I have an idea. Let's, like, you know, create a voting machine with Wi-Fi. Like, that yeah. would be dope. Like, and then it's they yeah. figured so out, oh, insane. wow, these are... Wait, These we, are got dumb, like-
0: we
1: got subwoofers in it? We got by lights. like insane companies that are completely, completely, uh, you know. Dive uh, Yeah. No, but it's Diebold. true. It's like, and then you've got in Bolivia, like literally like the safest way to count votes, which is why the United States will never fucking do it. And also it doesn't involve any contract, you know, any private contracting, which is basically probably the main reason why the United States will never do it, is hand counted paper ballots out in the open right? Mm -hmm. That is the safest fucking way, which is why they'll never fucking do it. So it's like, you know, for, uh, you know, any, anyway, my point is that it wouldn't even need to be like, I think that's what's key for people to understand. Like, it's not even like the, I mean, the example of in 2016 is like completely insane the one that you brought up brace, but like any like third party election watch body could find any number of vulnerabilities in our like, in our election system that aren't even like that don't even like look like outright fraud or outright really problematic because there's just so many points that can be compromised.
2: Yeah. And, and so in the case of uh, Bolivia, like I guess kind of doing that smell check myself I was just like, I guess I've said that multiple times, but looking at this and being like, Hey, like, I know how people like talk about these sorts of things in the United States. This uses an excuse that like, you know, there should be some that that the results of the unofficial vote count should reflect somehow perfectly what the end result would be at every point on the graph. So imagine like essentially there should be no change in election results at any point of the sampling of results when they get sent in. Which is just
1: insane. That's absurd.
2: Yeah, because it makes the assumption that there's no like additional factors i guess like there's no there's no geography or there's no like income or these other things that could affect it so immediately i was like you know this is extremely problematic and then uh the people at the center for economic and policy research uh reached out specifically because i think i like angrily said something about it initially and then they asked if we if i could take a look at their report and i you know they had i had already seen it funnily enough (laughs) i um but but uh i i took a look at it and it was you know i thought i thought it was you know nearly like dispositive It, it nearly completely disproved all the points that were made in the oas report like at least the statistical evidence that was provided at the end, it took, you know, multiple reports since then to kind of, and, and also the OAS changing its narrative multiple times since then um, to get to the point where, you know, we're actually, like, uh, where, where we are now, right, where we know that, like, th- this is, this is like, awful. This was an awful way of phrasing it, in the, and they, like, who knows whether they knew what would happen in those, like, upcoming days. Like, I, I certainly have my own views on that, but, like, the the like strategic i guess uh like uh putting like i guess the the statement that they made initially in the election saying that there was a disturbing trend um really really affected things in the future i think that they even hired a statistician after that to prove essentially what they needed already i don't i don't necessarily think that they had the results in that moment or well they definitely didn't have enough information at the point that they made the statement
0: yeah they hired some mercenary statistician
2: yeah yeah irfan new rudden uh i i I feel safe saying his name here because he is a very mean person (laughs) and like a very uh uh, like he, he just, he did a, a hack job and also is is still defending his point, even though he's been proven wrong. And like, um, I guess, you know, there, there's still, you know, who, who knows what happens, but in, in this case, like he made clear mistakes and is not willing to fess up to his own mistakes. Uh, I guess he said, sorry, but he still believes his conclusions. That's what he, that's what he said today. So...
0: We've got you know just to sort of you know move through the history a little quickly. November 10th, like we mentioned, Eva Morales is essentially kicked out of the country by the uh by the military and the police. Uh there are of course mass protests by mass, that's kind of a weird way to construct that sentence. Uh a a a a right-wing woman from a very unpopular political party named <laughs> Añez is put into power who swears in on like a giant goofy oversized bible. Uh a, a the the a ton of mass politicians are forced to resign, leave the country. They are charged with sedition and terrorism. Uh, supporters are cracked down upon across the country in, in 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 when they put the barricades up, they are fired upon. Uh, funnily enough, during covid-19, Moss was uh, Moss supporters and indigenous people uh, put up barricades. I can't remember around what city they put up barricades around one city uh, in a protest. And the uh, the Anya's coup government, which, by the way, is a government with like literally two percent supported party. Like it's like it's like if your neighbor was president or something like it's it's incredible. But uh, they actually are trying to file human rights violation charges against Moss in the International Criminal Court because Moss was holding protests. Um, The the crackdown has been significant. Uh, It has been tacitly supported essentially by all American politicians. Uh, Añez has opened up relationships very well, or excuse me, widely with Israel and other countries that Bolivia had previously not been close to, immediately took IMF loans and essentially does exactly what every everybody in her position would do. A coup government acts the way a coup government acts, and it, it, it serves the people that put it into power. Um, the thing is, there's also supposed to be elections soon. So I think we, we're, I think we're, we, we got a little time left. Um, I think we should kind of go over what's what's come up with those because those elections have been delayed three times ostensibly, I believe, because of COVID. I think a lot of people, including myself, believed it was just not going to happen. Uh, yeah, Evo Morales is forbidden from running. Uh, a bunch of his supporters are in prison or facing charges. They actually tried to charge uh, uh, Morales with pedophilia for taking a picture with his, I believe, like assistant's daughter. Uh, in like <laughs> just like a normal picture you'd take with somebody else that didn't really take off, but it really, it, the Bolivian tabloids really went with it. Um, does not pass the true and on smell test. And, Damn. uh, and so we've got a new election coming up, uh, coming up, I believe the day this episode should be out. And we've got, uh, three candidates. We've got Luis Arce, or I never know how to pronounce that, but Arce, Arce, Arce uh, yeah. Who's a former official in Morales' government, uh, an economist. for He's the candidate for MAS. We've got Carlos Mesa, the former president of Bolivia that Jack mentioned earlier. Neoliberal guy, exactly what you'd expect. And then you've got Luis Camacho, who was the uh, – well, he is a scumbag. But he was the former president of the uh, civic committees of Santa Cruz, which is like a racist far-right, I believe, Catholic organization uh, called the Bolsonaro of Brazil. And he's very close to a guy named Bronco I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name, although I've talked about him before on the show, Jovicevic, uh who's a Croatian-Bolivian, and and just like Germans, if a Croatian guy came to South America after the 1940s, I would be a little suspicious. Uh, this guy's parents did, um, and uh, and he was involved in a plot to assassinate Evo Morales in 2009 with other far-right forces, and so there are. Anya has announced she is not going to run for president. I think in a in a in an announcement i think sort of shocked a lot of people because people who are hoping that moss returns to power are hoping that the right wing vote is split and mm. so far we've got louis Arce and then two sort of right wing center uh uh right wing center right candidates um and so what what sort of uh lay down to me sort of the lay of the land of this upcoming election
2: yeah so i i think people were definitely shocked that like uh that that she dropped out, but they were definitely not shocked that she wasn't going to win. She was polling incredibly badly. Was you know the the person in power who was nearly polling at what Camacho's numbers are, and he's you know far right and has like a very small group of support within the country, um, especially not among you know I guess the the elite class that really wants uh, that that wants Carlos Mesa in power. Yeah. Um, in in terms of this upcoming election, there's like a lot of really. I guess, concerning things that the, you know, the current coup regime has been able to set up prior to it. Like, so, so first, like there have been electoral reforms that kind of really got pushed through quickly. The person that was appointed by uh, Janine Añez to the position of like the president of the TSE was Salvador Romero, who, who previously uh, tried to get, you know, Morales in trouble for fraud early into his uh, tenure. Um, and, and as, uh, I think even as in some WikiLeaks leak, so he, he is, uh, he is somewhere on, uh, WikiLeaks about like, I think, uh, specifically working with some sort of like, you know, I, I forget some foreign console or something like that mm-hmm. to be able to, Shocking. You know. um, but he, so it, as part of these electoral forms is first day they contracted with a new group of people that's not neotech to be able to implement the unofficial vote count but this unofficial vote count is going to be done extremely slowly from the looks of it like they're, they're estimating that we might not know who actually wins the election until wednesday which is <laughs> e- extremely concerning considering like a small pause in the vote count is what legitimized you know fraud here and now yeah. we might see a multi-day pause and the the results getting handed out to people and then uh, secondly, like, uh, they're not going to publish the images of the ACTAs. So the ACTAs are these vote tallies that are done at the polling station level. Um, and so these polling results are like signed off by all the people who are poll workers at an individual Yeah, pace, I, I've seen sent- that
0: in America. It's like in the, during the, uh, during the primaries, like they, like people would count out how many people were in there, uh, or they, they would, they would basically send like a piece of paper with a vote count on it.
2: Yeah, it's, it's actually similar to what the Iowa caucuses did on Yeah, that's like, that's what, that's what uh, I was thinking, yeah. Where I believe they sent I believe they sent images and that's the way that their application worked. Very similar to what happened in Bolivia. So Bolivia like they they sent images of it and now they're actually not going to be publishing images of what's on the actas, uh which is really strange considering the regime that came to power came on these coup charges or came on these fraud charges that essentially said that like you know these actas were evidence of you know manipulation how how they sampled a group of uh, actas in pro moss areas and they just happened to be you know unbelievable before and after uh the the cutoff like it's extremely strange that they would do that i guess like it 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 seems inexplicable and and moss even i believe came out today and said that they were concerned about the, the lack of publishing on it morales had already expressed concern i think earlier but um yeah like like where, you know, there's there's very few observers even there already. There's, like, a few, like, freelance people. In terms of actual organizations, the EU sent less people. I think Not they have right. around yeah. like six people there. They uh, sent six uh, people? I think six to eight people. So they're they're going, the crack team, the
0: crack
1: team that were there. Jesus Christ. The Carter
2: Center is doing a virtual. uh, So they are, Oh how do
1: you do virtual? Oh my God. Zooming in to make sure. Are
2: you,
0: you doing fraud? They're like, no, it's like, all right, well, it sounds like it's pretty good to me.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the OAS is even sending, I think less people. I think they had 40 something people there and they're sending around 30 something people this time to observe Mm, the election. Um, Mm. But you know, I, I, that doesn't matter as much to me, but, uh, I don't think that would necessarily help. Uh, but in the case of, yeah, these, there's way less in these, like, I guess, Institute, international observers really going and, and largely the excuse tends to be around COVID and concerns about, you know, people getting it. Bolivia had like the worst COVID like transmission rate for uh, like a while. It was really, it was really a, a disaster there. Uh, and, um, yeah, it, it's it, it. was an excuse, I guess, postpone elections to this point already. But it's it's also being an excuse, you know, to postpone when votes are reported to people, and mm-hmm. it's it's really being handed to this regime, especially like Anya specifically, so she doesn't like you know get in trouble. And and a lot of these actors don't get in trouble once they w- they would hope that Mesa would win because I think that they think they would get in trouble with Moss. Like if Moss came into power, like, so, like I'd hope so that's so.
0: that's how, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. What <laughs> is the so from what I understand. Uh, Louis Arce is pol- polling pretty well. And, like, if, if sort of the election was held, I've read some article, like, if the election was held today, he would win today. Um, because, like, we were saying, it's a runoff election. And so he needs to beat both of these guys outright by like 10% over whoever else is the highest vote getter, which would be Mesa. Um, I, I just personally have a little bit of a feeling, you know, I'm a spiritual guy and, uh, you know, I was consulting uh, consulting the stars and I have a feeling that things um, will be a little sketchy when it comes to how how Bolivians were polled versus uh, how how the vote totals might come out. But do you see like what are what are sort of some ways that this election could go Um, either in terms of like voting or in terms of uh, sort of tampering?
2: Yeah, I guess. So first, there, there's like I guess the easy option, which is just somehow like you know, R. Say wins a, a ten point margin. Like this is after you know, nearly. You know like a year of uh like mass protests like the the uh the demands for like the election not getting postponed any further were like pretty amazing to watch they were blocking off roads and, it, and yeah. it was reminding i think people of a lot of these demonstrations that brought evo morales into power or brought concessions from a previous like you know coup regime or under the oligarchic uh leaders back in like the 50s um so, so there's a possibility, I guess, of, of that just happening. I I I would want to be optimistic about that, but really, I think what they want to do in the short term is force a run, like force a runoff anyway. Right? Yeah which requires not much. It doesn't even require like uh, Mesa winning a majority. It just requires him not to lose by more than 10 points, which, you know, he was unable to do in the previous election even though it was basically it was a two-way race there as well. Um, and we're kind of getting a lot of similar polls that we got in that election where, you know, Arce won, except now we know that there was, you know, political mobilization from Arce's base for the last year and also people who previously opposed Arce who are indigenous Uh, against the current regime. So I guess that's definitely something to watch out for. Um, But then, I guess, additionally, what's really concerning is that like the same thing could happen, right? Like if they cause enough unrest, if if right wing forces in the country cause enough unrest, who is there to like step into power? The military just intervenes and says, you know, oh, you know, ballots are being burned, you're right? Like they're they're going into polling places and burning down ballots. You know, we can't declare a winner. We need to, you know, postpone this further. Like this mm-hmm. is this is a real issue. Government of control. national exactly. unity. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then there's there's the other one of where like, yeah, I guess I guess where they just try to bring Mesa up to the point where he doesn't lose right and i think the amount that this is really shrouded like we don't it's a, it's a black box right like we we have no way of observing this and the people the eyes that we have into this box are the oas and that is not uh doesn't it doesn't make me really confident that we're really going to know like what's going on if they're not publishing these things like publicly and giving a way for people to check it no matter what like people are going to be looking into it and watching the unofficial results as they come in but you know this is we're in we're in uncharted territory as far as like COVID goes. And I I imagine that liberals are going to be using COVID as an excuse for diminished turnout. If, you know, it just so happens that all these places that seem like they're mobilized to vote for, you know, Moss just don't turn out, you know, like if, if if, uh, they just have decreased turnout, Oh, it just must be COVID or it could have been the political repression that they now admit happens, but rather, you know, it, it happened though, right? Like that—that—that that seems to be the way that they treated it because they seem to have had a more positive opinion of like Morales and everything now. But it's—it's kind of because this is treated as like history rather than happening yeah. within the last year.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope that you know if you're listening to this uh, right when it came out, <laughs> uh, the election. You should tune in to—I don't know—that's not the right way to say that, but CNN, I will. CNN,
0: Bolivia yeah. News Network. <laughs>
1: You know, uh, tune in to, uh, I don't, I mean, you know, watch out for, uh, incoming results from the Bolivian election, because this is a really big deal, what's happening. And like you say, it's concerning how few people are down there to kind of observe what's going on. And so trying to get a read in the country, um, is pretty difficult, but, um, yeah, it's a big election. Um, I don't know. I'm nervous. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that's like the left in South America, just like everywhere has suffered so many tremendous setbacks, uh, in the past, well, uh, entire history of its existence. But like, you know, this sort of like right wing resurgence or this, you know, right wing, it's a traditional way it's done pretty much everywhere. This right wing resurgence allied with this sort of neoliberalism, um, Is 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 concerning, and and the thing is, Bolivia does have these sort of different demographics that really affect things uh, than than a lot of other states, maybe with similar uh, political uh, you know battles, but uh, but but it's also like you know the Bolivian you know indigenous population is very poor. It's not like there isn't like this really like. It's it's different than in a lot of cases, and and they don't really have much of a voice, and they certainly don't have much of an, of an international voice, and so there is basically one side of this story that is heard, and that is the side of the OAS, that is the side of the the La Paz, you know, middle classes and upper classes, that is the side of sort of the 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 the, the liberals and uh, and the far right, and so it's difficult to find good stuff about this. I would uh, I would I would. I would encourage you to follow Jack's Twitter account. Jack, what is I can't I can't remember the exact letters in it. It
2: is it is um, it's it's really bad. Master of Null, but it, instead of an O, it's a zero. Uh, it, so it was sick. not created to be followed. So, <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um I also I, I tend to follow Ollie Vargas. That's uh, that's O V A R G A S fifty two uh, on Twitter and. Okay, I'm going to fuck this up really bad, and please forgive me. I, believe me, I just have pure Kasachin. purity in my heart. Kausachin News. That's K-A-W-S-A-C-H-U-N News. Uh, and that's, that's, really, uh, that's really a good uh, source of information for, uh, for the, the, I guess, less exposed side of things in Bolivia.
2: Yeah, I've heard it pronounced correctly, and I know I'm saying it wrong, but whenever I see it, I just keep saying, like, Kaufsuchin, right? Like, that's. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's not, well, it's because it's like, it feels like I'm saying the name of a town in Ohio or something.
2: Yeah, or like, or like North like Dakota.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, Jack, thank you so much for uh, for joining us. We'll link to Jack's uh, Jack's piece in the Washington Post and his report on the OAS uh, in the description here. Uh, it has been a pleasure.
2: Hey, it's been a pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so
1: much. Yeah, so um, I'm just going to say it. I'm pretty sure that there's going to be a runoff.
0: Me too. That is my, that is the Belden prediction uh, machine at work, which Liz actually copied my idea of it.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it seems... Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they're gonna like delay it a couple days, and then they're Mm -hmm. gonna say, you know, in that in just like they did last time, in the interim, narrative forms. I mean, that seems to be kind of a uh, you know kind of go to move by people that want to um, influence electoral narratives for gaining popular legitimacy. I'm reminded of a um, not unrelated. Person to so this kind of cabal, we'll say Mayor Pete in Iowa announcing yes. his, you know, it's a very Guido move. As well. oh, oh, yeah.
0: It was, it was amazing. Where it's like, I won. Uh, yeah. I mean, and that was I the narrative.
1: Just, exactly. That, it became was the very narrative. successful. Yeah. So be careful of that in the future, guys. Yeah. Like we're always saying on True Non Challenge, the popular narrative.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually always saying, if you can beat me in a push-up contest, I'll give you 800 fucking dollars.
1: Yeah, you are always saying that. You that's gotta stop saying rates.
0: that. I know, but it's, it caught on so much, and the t-shirts sell really well, and I've made a lot of money doing it.
1: <laughs> All right, well, on that note, I'm Liz. My name is Push-Up, and we are
0: joined by <laughs> Young Chomsky. And the podcast name is True Anon, that's T-R-U-E, and then same word, A-N-O-N.
1: I'm now I'm imagining a person named Push-Up. <laughs> it's kind of cool. a cute name for a bulldog.
0: I knew, I knew, oh, that is, that is. I knew a guy named, uh, well, I was called Showbiz, which is, uh, you know, I've mentioned that before. I knew a, <laughs> uh, a pigskin, uh, Danzler. I knew a lot of guys with like one word, uh, one word nicknames mm. I liked.
1: All right, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> Jeffrey the rest transcription transcription for Jeff Jeff